Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Bizarre Tales. And it's been a bit, hasn't it, Lee? We've had a, we've had a few weeks off. Well, yes. Uh, but obviously we've put shows out in between, haven't we? Well, you have. No. <laughs> I've I've been uh, off holiday with uh, the wife and kids. Although, what, what would the, the Americans call that a vacation, don't they? Yes. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just... Well, it's summertime, isn't it? It's the end of the summertime. That's what it is, so... Yeah, I've had a few days off and making recording together a little bit more difficult. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've had a review, um, which I, I showed you earlier in the week. Thought it was... Uh, well, they're not going to be listening anymore, are they? <laughs> no. I, I doubt... Um, we've, we've said this before to, to you guys. I mean, by all means, if you want to leave us a, a lower review... Um, this was a, a one-star review, um, basically saying that obviously the shows aren't edited enough, and that's why they don't like it. Um, well, if you want to pay for an editor, then uh, be my guest. We'll have a professional editor come in and and do it. Um, I'll be more than happy if someone wants to pay for these shows to be edited. But other than that, it's uh, it's me and Lee that edits them. So that's what uh, that's what amazes me with stuff like that. It's like, why leave that in a review? Yeah, you know why not just email us? And then I would have said to him, "Look, mate, I've done sixty-five hours this week. You know what I mean? Mm. It takes like three or four hours to do a show. I've got kids at the weekend. What, when do you want me to do that shit? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not that, it's not that we don't want to do it. We don't have time. It's just that we just don't get fucking chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think people do have this attitude that because we're doing a podcast and because you know we have you know from some quality of of podcasts, you know, you listen to some of them, they are pretty bad quality ours is i i don't think a bad quality i think a lot of people just assume that the good poli- the good quality podcasts tend to be making more money um and this is what we do full time but it's not you know both me and lee work 60 hours a week um yeah i don't think i've been in the house before nine o'clock this week no no i don't think i have friday so i mean i just it's yeah. like just I, I, like i said before if you you just 
can email that shit and yeah. uh, I can explain to you, you know, this is why. If you want to pay for an editor, or if, you, if he wants to do the fucking editing, brilliant, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't always get done. Obviously, the video ones are slightly different because they're videos, so it's just like... Yeah, that's just... They obviously don't... Yeah, and I'm reading emails, that, and when people write emails, they don't put commas in, they don't put full stops in, you know what I mean? <laughs> don't put, I, 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 never get, I never really understand that because when I write an email, I always put them in just to make it readable for the yeah. person but obviously when people are just typing fast they don't always think about oh I'm breaking a sentence here so you know that's that but they're like four or five them case files that I'm doing are about what four or five minutes long something like that they're mm. not going to be massively yeah if it was half hour long an hour long I probably would edit them a bit more but, yeah. but no they're just spoken and because of the video as well yeah the sound quality is not great it don't yeah well yeah it don't really matter so much about Taking bits out and all that because you, no. you, if you're watching the video, you get the thing. Yeah. If you haven't watched them, go on our YouTube and, and look at them there. They are on our Facebook page and that. But yeah. but but yeah, all right. Despite the review, I'm just surprised that we've all made it through another week. It's um, it's getting tough out there. Yeah, it is. So it you is. know, so mostly, I mean, every, everyone else that listens, we've got to appreciate them. Hmm. I don't leave stupid reviews about emailing us first. Yeah. Um. <laughs> again, that was from New Zealand, Lonnie. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. what can you say? But, <laughs> Sour grapes out the way. No, if he, I mean, if he's listening, then hopefully he understands. Yeah, you know hopefully. I mean? uh, that's what we want. You know, we want him to go look at, listen to this episode and go, oh, shit, yeah, maybe that was a bit harsh. Yeah, I'd but, like him to work 65 hours, 60, 65 hours a week, Monday to Friday, then have his children at weekend, and then, and then, then him f- do the editing. And then find time to actually record yeah. a show. And, and, get, then, and get dumped twice in one day. Oh yeah, he did yeah, have a bad that week. Did, that, that did happen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so Lee, I mean. Lee is now I'm free su- and single again. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm still here. I'm surprised anybody's still here. The, 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 honestly, the I know the suicide rates through the roof and that, but we must have yeah. people that are fucking that are feeling like just like shit at the minute. Like you know, mm. oh, there's know, a lot of people I, out there. I mean. So I don't want to get overly like pissed off with that review or anything like that so, I mean they don't really piss me off they just it just it's more annoyance than that but obviously everything contributes to making you feel like shit so thanks yeah. for that but again you know yeah I shit mean, happens um, I mean I've, I've been talking to people this week that have been you know depressed people are depressed um, the world's crazy so I mean if anyone wants to speak to us you know we are I know I say we work 60 hours a week but obviously Facebook's 24 hours 7 days a week if you message on Facebook we will get back to you and I don't think there's anybody that's ever messaged us that's never got a message back no I don't think that Um, everyone's got even that guy who was sending you dick pics got messages he got a message back yeah Yeah. eventually I had to block him yeah (laughs) Um, don't do that guys yeah (laughs) I had a look first but um but no, yeah, yeah, don't do that. But hey, look, if you need to, if you need to reach out, we're here. Everyone, yeah. you know, everyone should know that. And if again, if you if you've got, um, we've got a WhatsApp group set up, and yeah, yeah that is in the description of the podcast now. So we if you have. if you want to message us there, obviously everyone can see the message. But if you want to message us privately, you could do that as well. But if you want to send us a story or you've you've run into something, then we've got a WhatsApp group there. So just you know, get in touch. There's plenty of ways to do it. Email supernaturalpod at gmail um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I've just got two things to say. I know we're rambling on here, but I've got two things to say before we start that show. First of all, I want to thank Stephanie for coming on last week. 
I did actually thank her at the end of the show, but I've got to put it in. <laughs> my my editing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to do that properly. So I did actually record a piece saying, thank you very much, Stephanie, for coming on the show and all that. And then I forgot to put it on. It just went straight from the interview straight into the end outro. Yeah. So that's my bad. Um, I, obviously, I've spoke to Stephanie, so she's aware of that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like I'm, you know, I'm telling her that. But I'm telling her now, just say thank you very much for coming on the show, sharing your story. Again, you know, if, you want, if you're out there and you're thinking about coming on the show or coming on a show to share your story... Do it. Then do it. You know yeah, what I mean? You, you, reach out. If you don't feel comfortable enough of coming on the show yourself, you can always send us your story by text message, uh, email, whatever. You know, there, there there are other ways to do it. You you can, I mean, you can come and speak to us, talk about it, and then you have to re- we don't have to record it even. But if you want to record it, that's a bonus. Um, well, the advantage now with the WhatsApp group is, um, I mean, I don't know if any of you listened to the Buckinghamshire episode that my my cousin joined us on, those were all sent via WhatsApp. All those uh, sound clips were sent via WhatsApp. Like pre-recorded so, things, yeah. So. so you can always do that can if you're not that, confident yeah. coming and on then, the show. And um, then what was the other thing? So that was... And we do edit because I edited the crap out of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some yeah, sometimes. Obviously, sometimes I do. Aren't the shows don't just go out like, you know. Um, <laughs> they just go out willy-nilly. The poppycock ones pretty much still. There's not much editing to them. There's In fact, no there's edit. no editing there's to no them. Edit. No, they just go out as they are. Yeah. Um, these ones, we, do, we would normally edit stuff out. Um, and then the other thing was uh, Jerry Hillbilly Horror Stories. So yes, I just say hello to anybody that's come across from Hillbilly Horror Stories. So if you have come across from Hillbilly Horror Stories, then please, if you can, it's important for Hillbilly Horror Stories and me to to know. So yes, definitely. Um, if, if you can just let me especially know, especially if you've heard that um, promo. That if you've heard the promo and you've come across from that, then uh, you know. Please, yeah, if you can let me know, that would be uh, fantastic because we, we we are trying to get the data on that. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you, you enjoy the show. So thank you very much for coming and uh, enjoy the show. Here yeah. is our Haunted Counties series. We are up to Cornwall. Cornwall, yeah. Cornwall? Yeah, it is Cornwall. Do yeah. you say Cornwall or Cornwall? I've got a London accent, Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah, I don't know. Corn- I don't know how to say it now. I, I just know they don't, cl- they don't class themselves as English. That's- no, they don't. No, they don't. Well, we shall get into it. So, the first one we have is called the Crumplehorn Inn. Now, this is in Lou. Okay, if you want a postcode, it's PL13. So, although only an inn since 1972, the group of buildings comprising the complex now known as the Crumplehorn Inn are far older and have had ample opportunities to acquire a few otherworldly residents. In the bar, for example, witnesses speak of an, an indistinct something glimpsed out the corner of their eye, but which has apparently disappeared when they turn to look at it. Late one Sunday night, a barmaid had turned the lights off at the end of her shift and was walking past the toilet when suddenly the door creaked wide open. She, thinking someone had been locked in, she shouted an apology, only to be left gazing in disbelief as the door promptly closed again. Confused, she went to investigate, but found out that the toilet was empty. The inn's former owner, Andrew Taylor, has encountered the wraths of the haunt of the inn on several occasions. His living quarters were situated in the 16th century millhouse, and one morning he woke to see someone standing in front of the mirror 
holding a cigarette and clasping their hands to their forehead, as though they had a really bad headache. Thinking it must be his wife Anne, he asked if she was alright, but then saw that Anne was still in bed beside him, and when he looked backwards towards the mirror, the figure had gone. Sometimes laying in bed late at night, they would hear the voices of a man and woman whispering in the loft above them. On one occasion, they even heard what sounded like a door latching, although there is no door to the loft. His wife Anne sadly died in 1994 and was reported very psychic and formed the impression that the male voice belonged to a World War I soldier who had deserted and was hiding in the loft in the old mill. The female voice was that of his lady. Eventually, he was captured and sent back to the front, where he was killed in the trenches, but it seems that every so often, the revenants of the two lovers returned to the place where they shared their last moments together. It's mm-hmm. mm. a bit creepy, that one, isn't it? Yeah, I like how he woke up and thought a ghost was his wife. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. We were talking about it. People try to rationalise it. Yeah, yeah. We were saying that a few weeks ago. The next one is the Dolphin Inn in Penzance. The Dolphin Inn has echoed to the salty banter of the seafaring fraternity for going on 500 years. It is said that the great Elizabethan sailor Sir John Hawkins used it as a base to recruit and organise the Cornish fleet that fought the Spanish Armada in the 16th century. Later traditions maintain the plumes from the first tobacco to be smoked in England waft amongst the rafters. Later still, the psychopathic Judge Jeffreys is reputed to have turned the Dolphin's dining room into a courtroom and its cellar into a jail. When he came west to meter out the savage retribution against those who had supported the Duke of Monmouth's ill-fated attempt to wrest the throne of England from James II in 1685, the inn's proximity to the ocean led to frequent flooding over the years. A problem that was solved in the mid-19th century when the massive grey sea walls that tower above it were built. It was about this time when the proprietor, William Pascoe, was fined for refusing to billet soldiers at the Dolphin. His successor, Mr. Patch, was not so choosy about his clientele, and in 1868 found himself hauled up before the authorities for harbouring lewd and loose women on the premises. By the early 20th century, the holstery had settled in to a respectable old age and was a favoured stopover for gentry awaiting the ships that would depart from the harbour opposite. The ghosts at the Dolphin, so we do have ghost stories from it, at least three ghosts are known to reside within the walls of the Dolphin's history-steeped walls. The most persistent of that is of an old sea captain who wears a tri-cornered hat, the old-fashioned, mm. I'd say like Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean, that. Pirate hat. Yeah. Lace ruffles 
a striking jacket resplendent with shiny brass buttons. Successive landlords have come to know him as George and have been happy to allow him to continue his nefarious wanderings until he tires of plodding about upstairs in the rooms and the corridors in the dead of night. Another ghost is that of a Victorian woman in a Victorian dress who flits across the main bar in front of startled onlookers and it is said that on a Sunday morning in October 2000 a member of staff was sitting at the bar awaiting the start of a busy lunchtime session when the ghost suddenly materialised from the wall beside him and drifted across to the opposite wall where she melted into the stonework. The final phantom is that of a fair-haired young man. Over the years, several landlords and landladies have awoken to find him standing by or even sitting on the bottom of their beds. No one has ever discovered his identity, for he has annoying habit of simply drifting away the moment anyone speaks to him. These all seem to be pubs. Yeah, I it? think... But, I mean, Cornwall is... Yeah, the place of most history, though, aren't Inns, yeah. pubs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Castles. Yeah. But the next one is, is also a pub. It's the Jamaica Inn. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Launstown. Reportedly, the most haunted located inn in Cornwall. The oldest parts of the Jamaica pub date back to the 18th century and originally it catered for travellers on the Turnpike Road from Bodmin to Launceston. The name Jamaica Inn came from a local Trelawney family, important landowners landowners, in the area. Two of those members served as governors of Jamaica in the 18th century. The surrounding countryside was, and still is, wild, rugged and remote, and the inn gave shelter and sustenance to many travellers who's found it weary on the roads around the Bodmin Moor. The Jamaica Inn wind-lashed walls also provide a haven for less, let's say, savoury characters. And for many years, it was notorious haunt for smugglers. The publication in 1936 of Daphne de Maurier's classic novel, Jamaica Inn, made the place famous throughout the world and led to the expansion into the sprawling tourist complex that greets visitors today. Several ghosts are said to wander within and around the the Jamaica Inn's old interior. Phantom footsteps have been heard plodding along corridors in the dead of night. The sound of horses, hooves, sometimes clatters over the outside courtyard in the early hours and witnesses awoken by the phantom hoofbeats part the curtains to investigate to see nothing. The murmur of agitated conversation in some foreign tongue or foreign dialect has also been heard in the darker corners of otherwise empty rooms. Every so often, the inn's best known and oldest ghost transcends the centuries to astonish and bemuse those 
who chance upon him. In life he is reputed to have been a wayfarer, who one evening long ago was sipping ale at the bar when a man peered around the corner and called for him to come outside. Setting down his half-filled tankard, the wayfarer went out into the night and was never seen alive again. The next morning his lifeless corpse was found on Bodmin Moor. His identity and that of the assassin remains a mystery to this day, but the ghost has appeared many times and has a particular attraction to the wall in front of the inn. Here he has often been seen just sitting silent and motionless. He does not respond to any greetings and appears oblivious to those who pass him by. And after a few moments of gazing nonchalantly into space, slowly dissolves into nothingness. Mm. Sounds like a time lapse, that, doesn't it? Yeah. I bet there's loads of bodies on Bodmin Moor in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, not found. And that thing about the horse-drawn carriage, you know, I've heard people talk about that. Mm. They're just in bed and then they hear this, it sounds like a horse and cat pull up outside, which is pretty distinctive. Yeah. And even they hear the horse's breath and all the rest of it, and then they look out and it's just nothing there. Mm. So it's all sort of residual um, sound, isn't it? Like a stone tape thing. But I mean, can you imagine just laid there, then you hear that because you you didn't you didn't not hear it, did you? No, you know what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, you definitely know what it sounds like. And the cigarette smoke, you know, you spoke about that in the last one. You know, walk in the pub, and a lot of people say this: they walk into a haunted place and they can smell cigarette smoke and stuff like that. Uh, other perfumes as well, but the cigarette smoke, you know, it is possible it is the smell of an entity sort of thing but you know I, I know when I have cigars because I don't smoke really now um, I do have cigars though hmm. um, I, mean, I don't do drugs don't do drugs kids well when you're young well, not when you're old <laughs> but um, I um, have cigars and I, I'll, I'll know I can still I can still I, I can still taste the cigar in my lungs like three days later, four days later. Yeah. So, is a smell that permeates. That's what I'm trying to say. So, if there is wood and stuff in there, in these buildings, it, it, you know, is it just a smell permeate and then you're just getting a waft of it? And I don't know how many years it could stay in there, but if it could no. stay in my lungs, which are moving all the time, for four days. And you've got to remember, most well, everybody in there would have smoked. There would be 150 smoked. people in there with, with fags on. Yeah, I mean, I remember the days Pipes when you, on. you could go into a British yeah. pub and you'd have to sort of wave ago, in front it? of yeah. your hand to actually yeah. <laughs> to clear the smoke yeah. so you could see the bar. So you have like a smoking room and a non-smoking room, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter, did it? No, but but anyway, yeah, yeah. Guess what? The next one's a pub as well. But I've got to stop at the Jamaica in once. Yeah, because it does have uh, lodgings now. Does it? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to stay there. Uh, the next one is also a pub, like I said, it's uh, the St. Q Inn. The uh, St. Q Inn is just a handful of buildings that make up the tiny village of St. Q. It's just one of the buildings. Um, it was first licensed in the 18th century, although the building is much older and dates from the 1600s. It boasts a huge kitchen range and a slate floor, one section of which, now covered by concrete, presents visitors with a tantalizing enigma. In the 1970s, a new water pipe was being laid in the bar. And of course, due to excavations, 
women, uh, workmen uncovered a skeleton of a teenage girl. According to forensic dun, experts, dun, dun. <laughs> according to forensic experts, rumor has it that she had been there for the best part of a hundred years. Yet no one could discover her identity or find any reason for her decidedly unconventional resting place. She was reburied, reburied, in consecrated grounds, and the spot where she had lain was co- was converted into a concrete slab. However, her spirit has chosen to remain at the place of her original interment, and staff and regulars have come to know her as Adele. Probably not singing hello. Given that it was building work that led to her re-emergence, it is perhaps fitting that she only appears when alterations are being carried out on the inn. On these occasions, people have known to feel a cold sensation as her invisible form brushes past them. Occasionally, witnesses have been treated to a full-fledged spectral apparition of the one lady known as Adele. As her somber shade glides silently by, her unblinking eyes fixed on some distant goal, she tends to evoke affection rather than fear and is now more or less accepted as the inn's oldest resident. Well, is this what people say though, don't they, when they live with these entities? If they don't get a fear off them, they just, they're just yeah. part of the woodwork, it's, it's aren't they? It's interesting that you know, the feel that she gives off you know, more of a joyous feel than a, mm. you know, a somber feel. Because she seems... Can you imagine that, though? She's just walking past you and she's, like, just transfixed on something in the distance. And yeah. she's just totally oblivious to you being there. Yeah. Weird. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. I'd love to see it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think, I'd be, I, think I would be puckering up a bit, but... Mm. It would anyway. <laughs> Don't know if I feel joyous, but I'd like to see it still. So this one is a pub as well but it's got a very unconventional name it's called the bucket of blood um it's in philip yeah a bit of a weird name philip philip yeah when it comes to pub names cozier and more inviting names would probably seem the more sensible and appeal to more people hmm. um well or bring footfall across the threshold at least of course you could adopt a different approach and give your pub name that might not come up uh on, an, on a daily basis but it will certainly be unusual and unique and totally memorable yeah so such as the 18th cent such an approach has been adopted by this delightful 18th century pub but why the bucket of blood there are several theories and stories as how the pub came to its unusual name and the most persistent of these is the oft recited tale of how a former landlord of the pub went out to draw from the water's well sorry draw water from the pub's well having lowered his bucket into the well depths he hauled up and to his horror found out it was filled with blood a hasty investigation was carried out and the cause of this phenomenon turned out to be a mutilated corpse of the local exercise officer that had been thrown into the well the conscientious the, sorry, the consensus was that he may have stumbled upon a local smuggling racket and had duly been silenced by the gang. 
after which his body was dumped into the chilly depths of the well to conceal the crime. It's a good story, and it's a favoured theory of local folkists and storytellers. A more mundane explanation holds that the water from the well was tainted by deposits from the local tin mine and gave it a distinctive blood-like crimson. Probably more likely. That's where my head went. Yeah. First of all, yeah, I was thinking like an, an iron or a yeah. uh, tin. So. That's probably more likely, isn't it? Well. It, the, the other one does make a good story. Hmm. Um, it must be said, however, that any ghost is hampered in the chill factor stakes when pitted against such a macabre name. But this hasn't deterred a few residents' spooks from putting in occasional appearances. A phantom monk is said to lurk in some of the pub's darker recesses, and tables and chairs have been known to be rearranged and not being seen. Mm. So, um, so this would happen overnight. Poltergeist uh, activity. Yeah, much to the concentration of staff who just want to get the pub open and start pulling pints. Concentration. Consternation. Yeah. My reading's not great. <laughs> now, basically, they're pissed off because they, they want to open the pub and they've got to put all the furniture back. Um, whether these same unseen hands are responsible for administering the phantom shove in the back that some staff members have reported is unknown. And inevitably, the mangled spectre of the unknown victim whose long-ago demise may have given rise to the pub's unusual name has also been known to put in occasional appearances close to the site where he suffered his fate. So mm. there does seem to be a ghost hanging around the well. So, maybe. Bucket of blood, then. Maybe. Bucket of blood, yeah. So, the next one, the Bo Botathan ghost. Botathan could be. Yeah, I'm not great with pronunciations, and Cornwall's a weird place for. It is. It's almost foreign, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, in March 2018, stories appeared in several Cornish newspapers that a certain house in the parish of Saint Petherwin uh, was being haunted by an apparition who had died under tragic circumstances in the 17th century. She had been making her presence known by causing lights to flicker and the kettle to suddenly switch on and come to boil of its own accord. There's also a story of how the four-year-old daughter of a previous family who occupied the property would often wake in the night and then later tell her parents that the woman would put her back to bed. According to the reports, the ghost responsible for all of this was Dorothy Dingley, although her surname also could be Durant, depends on what account you read. Although her story was well known in the early 19th century, it was thanks to a local clergyman, Robert Stephen Hawker, that her fame became more widespread when the tale of the Bothanian, Bothanian ghost appeared in Charles Dickens' publication All Year Round in May 1867. Her account of the hauntings has become the best-known version and has since appeared in numerous supernatural Cornwall books. 
However, versions of the story have been appearing in several West Country newspapers throughout the 19th century. Following the account appeared in the Exeter and Plymouth Gazette on Saturday the 8th, December 1827. We caution our readers and particularly our Cornish friends not to be alarmed at the headline of this article, for they will observe at the outset the occurrence took place above a century ago. In these later days the reappearance of the defunct is generally disbelieved and therefore it is perhaps that except now and on this stage no ghost ever attempts to frighten honest folks out of their seven senses. That sounds weird but it is from a newspaper article. Mm. About 162 years since a ghost is said to have made its appearance in a field above a mile, about a mile and a half from Botham in the parish of St. Pethewin near Launceston. In the narrative which is given of the occurrence, it is said to have been seen by her son, Mr. Bly, who was about 16 years old, by his father and mother and Reverend John Ruddle, master of the grammar school of Launceston who was also incumbent there. So basically, from that article, I, I've extracted that um, this apparition has been seen by people of stature. Hmm. So, you know, a, um, a principal of a, of a school, you know, that's, that's someone who's, you know, it's not just your local town drunk that's seen this person or seen this apparition. Um, and as to the reasons Dorothy's ghost has chosen to appear to to the Bly family in particular, tradition holds that the elder brother had actually got her pregnant uh, and she died in childbirth. So that's why the descendants of this family tend to see her a little bit more than, than everybody else. Whether the truth behind her appearance or her story became popular in the 18th and 19th century, um, no compilation of Cornish ghost stories is full without this this particular story there is a lot more into this you can read like there's loads and loads of information on this particular ghost and you can read up i think there's probably out there you'll probably find podcasts dedicated to just this one ghost because there's so many different apparitions of her yeah there's definitely uh, tales of cornish ghosts loads of books yeah i was looking at a book the other day and we might have a guy on who wrote a book about Cornish ghost, actually. That's pretty cool. Well, ghost in general, but particularly corn. That's, that's pretty cool. That'd be good. That'd be good to good to hear. The next place we're going to, guess what? It's not a pub. No? No, we're going to a jail. 
Uh, Bodmin Jail. Oh, yeah. Uh, jail's uh, another one that tends to uh, be steeped in supernatural history. So, an aurora of distinct unease radiates from the crumbling walls and echoing corridors of Bodmin Gaul. From the moment you catch first glimpse of its sinister grey bulk looming over the town of Bodmin, a feeling of utter desolution takes hold, its intensity increasing as the gloom-laden walls draw nearer. Once across the threshold, you find yourself pitched into a twilight, where the world, the jests of some gruesome past, still linger, and where the lost souls of long-ago prisoners still wander in turmoil. Bodmin Jail was begun in the 1770s and was constructed by Napoleonic prisoners of war using 20,000 tons of granite quarried from Bodmin Moor. Chronic overcrowding led to the extended led it to be extended several times in the 19th, 19th century before it was finally closed in 1927. Between 1785 and 1909, 55 people were executed at Bodmin Jail, but four of the hangings were carried out in public and provided a grisly source of entertainment for thousands of spectres who would congregate in adjourning fields to witness some poor wretch take his or her plunge into eternity. Amongst those executed at Bosman Jail was Matthew Weeks, a crippled farmhand who was arrested for the murder of his lover Charlotte Diamond, whose body was found on Rorta, one of Bodmin Moor's most striking landmarks. On Sunday, April 14th, 1844, found guilty of his crime, was hanged at the goal in August 1844, and 20,000 people turned out to witness his final moments. Charlotte's ghost, clad in a gown, of, a gown and silk bonnet, is still said to appear at the site of her murder on the anniversary of her death. Whilst in recent years considerable doubt has been cast to the veracity of Matthew's uh, conviction. The terror and misery that condemned felons such as Matthew Weeks must have felt as they sat in the grim cells of Bodmin Jail awaiting death can only be guessed at. But vestiges of their trepidation appear to have permeated the very walls of the prison and many visitors are overcome by feelings of disillusion and despondency as they explore the dank maze of dark corridors and claustrophobic cells. Another former prisoner whose spirit is remained earthbound at Bodmin Jail is Selina Wadge, who was arrested in 1878 for the murder of her youngest son Harry. She told a constable she had been urged to murder him by her lover James Westwood who had promised to marry her if her boys were out of the way. Westwood strenuously denied this, claiming that he had nothing against the boy. At her subsequent trial, the jury found Selina guilty, 
although they recommended leniency on the grounds that she had taken good care of her children and that, in their opinion, the murder had not been premeditated. But the judge, Mr Justice Denman, disagreed and sentenced her to death. On Thursday the 15th of August 1878, a sobbing Selina was led from the condemned cell of Bodmin Jail, clutching a white handkerchief. Mounting the scaffold, she uttered her last words, Lord, deliver me from this miserable world. And at precisely 8am, the executioner pulled the lever on the trap and sent her plummeting to her death. Her body, still clutching the white handkerchief, was dangling for an hour before being cut down and buried within the prison grounds. Her ghost still wanders through the prison where she tries to reach out to small children who offer inquire about the crying lady in the long dress. Another phenomenon is that the pregnant women who tend to become very emotional at Bodmin Jail, the third and fourth floors in particular, and this is where Selina supposedly projects her feeling of guilt and remorse onto them. So, yeah, I mean, that's a... That's quite strange. I mean, jails generally, especially in this country, public executions. Well, I think the, the one, obviously, the lad who's, yeah, there's some doubt now whether he was actually guilty or not. And I suppose that would cause, you could see how that would cause a ghost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, obviously, by the sounds of it, she she seems to have regretted what she'd done. Yeah. But I think the judge was right. She needs hanging for that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love how the jury goes. Well, yeah, well, she was a good mum. Yeah, she was good up to that. She was good up to the point she murdered her children. (laughs) Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that doesn't forgive that, does it? No, no, not so. That makes sense. But yeah, like she's probably regretted it now. As as a ghost, she's going around, you know, trying to make it up to children or whatever. But um, too little, too late, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a strange one. I mean. Public executions and, and hangings and things like that. I mean, Tyburn in London is one of the, you know, that there's so much activity at Tyburn. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's the basically the public execution place for for London, or was the public execution place for London. Um, but yeah, so I'm not surprised that jails tend to have quite a high high concentration, especially ones like that, like disused. 17th century jails, you know, I wouldn't be so not surprised at all.
Yeah, just for those who want to know, you can look into the Jamaica Inn a little bit more detail if you like. Have you found it? No, they do have a website. Do they? Yeah. Um, I could probably put some of these things uh, in the description if people want to click on it. We have got a few more tales from Cornwall to come for Patreon. Yeah, there's loads. And uh, Apple, uh, the Not So Secret Secret Club. So if you are a member of the Not So Secret Secret Club, um, then you'll be getting... You'll be getting quite a bit extra. Quite a bit extra. Yeah, it's almost another episode. Some of them, we've got like like, um, extra... You know, we could do like half an hour, an hour, whatever. And then we get extra stuff to put on. Other ones we don't find enough. Yeah, so and it just makes a half an hour show. Yeah, yeah. So when we, we do find. find enough, obviously you get the extra yeah. portion. Plus you don't get the adverts and all that. And you know, if we're going to pay for editors and that, then obviously we need the adverts or we need. Um, yeah. So we have to have <laughs> the adverts, but um, but yeah. So plus the, it buys us a beer at the end of the week. Yeah. So. Yeah. If you if you can if you can afford to do it, then obviously. Get you sent on Patreon, you'll get more shows and you get the ad free and all the rest of it. Um, same with Apple Podcasts. So join the Not So Secret Secret Club. We'll have to get you a t shirt that says that. Yeah. You know, people that are on there will have to get them a t shirt that says that. But, um, but yeah. So yeah. join us. <laughs> Thank you very join much. Us, join us, join us, help us out. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. So thank you very much. We'll see you. On the other side. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Mm-hmm.